And it's time for Thursday Finance, and welcome along to Barry Preston. Now, interest rates, we had the first Tuesday of the month this week, Barry, and uh, there was no change. No change, just like the weather, no change. (laughs) However, people that are borrowing should be very, very cautious of what they're borrowing and how much they can afford, because if we look back to 1990, interest rates were in the vicinity of 17 to 18%. Now, Mm, that's heavy. That's a heck of a lot more now. That's 15% more than what they are now. That's amazing, isn't well, it? Well, you know, these things can come back again and bite us. Now, look, we look at uh, in February, in, sorry, in September 2008, interest rates were 7.25. That's nearly three times what they are now, or approximately three times. Now, that's not that far ago, uh, long ago. That's only about, uh, what? Six years. Mm -hmm. These things can come and bite you on the backside fairly quickly because, well, things can change. Yes, money's being pumped into the system, but if inflation takes off, and usually when money is pumped into things, inflation does take off, interest rates can head north. And people who are borrowing on a tight budget at the moment with a big debt, be careful. Mm. It can happen. Not It won't happen. It can happen. And a lot of people are saying that it will happen. So just be very cautious of that. Let's have a look at the commodities. And uh, we hope we can track Henry down. He's out loose today. He's uh, (laughs) running around somewhere. Let's hope we can track him down. But gold, gold for the first time for quite some time, we talk in Australian dollars. There's 1,405 Australian, which is approximately $6 ahead of what it was last week. Silver, very little change, $22.42. Uh, per ounce and copper is up $191 to 7566 There's talk that a lot of these metals are starting to get very scarce on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, That'll push the price up. That will it? push the price up, certainly tin especially. But nickel, 20725 that's $1,060 ahead to what, to what it was last week. And tin is four hundred, just under $500 ahead to 24401 Currencies... Mm, look, there have been really uh, not much action in the currencies. The US dollar, uh, Australian dollar versus the US dollar, we hit just 95 during the week, but we're now 94.3, which is 0.3 of a cent ahead of what it was last week. So there's very little change there. British pence, 54.9. Last week it was 55.3. The Chinese yuan renminbi, no change. 5.86 of those to the Australian dollar. New Zealand, no change. 107.6 New Zealand cents to an Australian dollar. The euro, very little change there. 69 last week. 69 pence, uh, euro pence and 69.1 euro pence uh, this morning. Canada, No change. 100.8, exactly what it was last week. If you're heading to Iceland, and it probably uh, wouldn't be much of a change in temperature, I'd suggest, would there? I don't know. (laughs) They're in summer. Pardon? Oh, well, there you are. If you head to Iceland, there won't be any ice there, which I have no idea. That's probably a silly comment. I think there probably will be. There probably would be. You may end up with 106.3 Icelandic Corona, K-R-O-N-A. That sounds like the Danish krona, is it not? The same sort of currency, Jane, do you know? Well, they were aligned with Denmark, weren't they, Iceland? I think they might have been. The All Ordinaries Index is up 55 points to 5,441. The Dow is ahead... uh, just under 100 points to 16,976. The NASDAQ uh, jumped 80 points to 4,457. The FTSE is up 80 points to 6,816. The Japanese market, very little change. 
four points ahead to 15,370. That probably wouldn't even mark zero on the Richter scale. And the Hang Seng, 23,549. That's approximately 500 points ahead. Oil, interesting. Compared to what it was last week, the American oil is down $2.50 Australian a barrel to 110.71. The Australian oil is down $2.74 a barrel to 120.28. Remember, we talk in Australian currency. Hmm, at the Bowser, well, big, big news. The Newcastle average petrol for unleaded is 159.3. That's down 0.007 of a cent per litre. And the Central Coast is down 0.004 to 159.51. Diesel, Newcastle, look, might as well not even talk about the drop. It's 159.3. I think last week the average was 159.4. And the Central Coast is down 0.001 of a cent per litre to 159.9. Sydney, down 10.1 cents per litre to 147.8. Good on them. Now, I've been looking around. It's funny. Our oil in, our petrol, unleaded in Newcastle, is 159.3. If we look around, we find that some of the places that uh, are way out west, like, well, Bathurst, 152.2. Something's wrong. Dubbo, 155.9. Grafton, 148.7. Hey, 152.9. People say that it's the oil companies. I don't think it is the oil companies. But when you look around, it's the service stations that control the price in that respect. Um, If it was the oil companies, there'd be one set price to a certain extent. In my opinion, I could be totally wrong. Mm. And remember, there's only 175 days to Christmas, 93 days to... uh, I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) And 59 days to spring. 93 days to the Melbourne Cup. That's what it oh, was. Yeah. On 2 and URFM, it's 25 past 12. This is Thursday Finance. And Barry Preston, time for our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. It certainly is. And, of course, our little ad. Comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice and a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard & Partners or BBY Stockbrokers Limited may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on our program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence 246712 BBY 2380095. Henry, they tell me you're out and about. I am out and about, Barry. I'm doing a site visit for research purposes only to oh, yes. the iFly Indoor Skydiving Centre in Penrith. The indoor skydive, you got it? The that... indoor skydiving, you heard me correctly, Barry. It's fantastic. I would urge all your listeners to come out here. It is just amazing. Indoor skydive, that's for midgets, is it? Indoor skydive. <laughs> it's, oh. um, you're basically suspended above a giant um, column of air coming from a huge fan. It's, um, it's quite spectacular. Oh, that's what a lot of Very air, high tech. air came out of Canberra. So, oh, well, interesting. We will, well, that's, that's hmm. a different type of flood air. That's oh, not quite as useful. Aussie savers lose out to borrowers. The, the banks apparently have reduced their savings by 0.41 points to, uh, versus the lending 0.31. So poor old savers cop it again. Well, that's, I guess that's why the savers of the, uh, of the world, uh, not just in Australia, have been looking for high-yielding dividend-paying shares. And that's why our banks have been so strong. Um, in the last two or three years because borrowing uh, or deposit rates are very much under pressure around the world. Interesting. The new chain, Centre Group, which is, was a part of the, or still is a part of the Westfield Group, I believe, yes. looks like it's uh, restructured now. It wants to sell all its, all its New Zealand uh, properties. 
Yeah, it didn't take very long, did it? It was no. only been uh, listed as uh, as a separate sort of business uh, from Westfield for uh, a couple of days before they started. Uh, the rumours started circulating they were going to sell off uh, some of their New Zealand assets. So, um, if uh, listeners remember, this was the uh, this was the big controversial split of uh, Westfield Retail Trust and putting all the Australian and New Zealand businesses into one uh, vehicle and all the overseas businesses into the other vehicle, of which the, the Lowys don't actually own too much anymore of the, uh, the local businesses. So, yeah, interesting, but they have moved quite quickly. As they say, statistics, lies and statistics. The Australian Securities Exchange 200 Index is approximately $1.5 trillion in value, and Australia's gross domestic product is approximately $1.5 trillion. Now, is there any reason why these should be the same? I believe that uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Warren Buffett says when they get like that, things could be a problem. Well, um, yeah, I don't think our market's is quite as bubble territory as some of the other markets around the globe, which are exhibiting some very strange uh, behaviours at the moment. But uh, certainly, yes, I mean, it's, I don't know if it, it must be just a coincidence, Barry. There's no, there's no guiding force at work in the universe. There's no conspiracies. So uh, I think it's just, uh, just coincidence they're the same. Yeah, I'm with you with these conspiracies anyway. Macquarie yeah. Group, Macquarie Group, the big Macquarie Bank, the millionaire factory once upon a time known as, and I think you're ex-Macquarie, I could be wrong. I, no? I spent seven years there, Barry, yes. Fantastic. Oh, well, you made your millions. Loans and mortgage business, they're looking into it uh, a bit more and they're doing exceptionally well, I believe. They are. They're, they're, certainly, uh, they're certainly moving quite uh, aggressively into the loans and mortgage businesses and they've, they've done very well. They've captured a lot of market share and uh, you know it's a good uh, good business for them it's got great margins and uh, they have been very aggressive with it so yeah good luck to them West Farmers Australia's biggest conglomerate is having a little bit of trouble with Target and I believe it's written its goodwill down to the tune of 600 and something million dollars oops Yes, it has. I mean, this just seems to be the new, uh, the new black these days in the corporate world is writing down your non-cash uh, balance sheet items. And yesterday, Target was written down by 640. Um, they're still having some major problems with that business. It's one of their problem childs, along with the liquor business. Of course, Woolies, on the other hand, have only got one problem child, which is the Masters uh, hardware business, whereas um, West Farmers have got the, uh, the very successful Bunnings. So um, somewhere in there, there's a lot of really good businesses, but they... I've got a couple of, uh, of, of stummers as well, I think. What's happening with Goodman Fielders? Um, well, Goodman Fielders have, have finally accepted a lower bid uh, from a Singaporean uh, food group. A lower um, bid? A lower bid, yeah, and they've written off some money as well. Ah. Um, the, uh, the Singaporeans have had a little look at the books and decided they're going to give them a bit less. The board's decided that that's enough. So they're going to take the money, but they're not actually meeting till November. So there's an awful long time between <laughs> now and when anybody's going to get their money. So don't hold your breath on this one. Mm, sounds like the time when Craig Thompson goes back to the uh, courts, I believe. Anyway, I shouldn't have brought that up. Yeah. Now, Henry, we're going to jump on our Learjet when we come back and head overseas. I've got some questions on China for you. Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, our market snapshot. And we've just jumped into our Learjet and we're landing in China. Henry, there are so many ifs, buts, the economy's falling, rising, property possible, crash, etc. Their consumer market is huge and it appears that it's nowhere near its optimal optimum, optimal level. Good tongue-tied. Yes, you are. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, it, it certainly seems there's a lot of scope uh, in, in China still. Um, you know, they, they've still mandated pretty much growth at 7.5%. The government is uh, stabilising their economy. And they also have a number of uh, legislative changes that they could bring into force to force 
to allow people, I guess, to move out of the uh, the rural areas into the city. And I, I believe there's a massive amount of people that want to do that but can't under the present kind of... I can't pronounce the words. I'm sure you can. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a sort of way that uh, they restrict people from moving around. So uh, if, they, if they change that, it would uh, create a lot of people moving into urban areas. Is that the system called HUKU, H-U-K-O-U? That's the one. That's the one. Barry, yeah. I'm glad you could pronounce it. Well, I don't know whether that's right or not. I mean, uh, but that's a system, a registry system they have in China, which regulates your choice of where you can live, school, exactly right. social, health or work. Now, if they let that loose, I mean, let's just, from what I read, half the population in China, which is 600 million people, want mm-hmm. to move up into an urban, uh, a more westernised thing. That's going to be huge. That's a lot of removal vans. <laughs> That's what we should be doing. Now, exactly. look, China may have invested in construction, but with that huge population, uh, one would assume that uh, if it's over-invested now, one would assume that, assume that it wouldn't take long to uh, sort of uh, move in and sort of say, well, hey, it's not uh, over-constructed anymore. No, it would certainly fill those ghost towns pretty quickly, wouldn't it? And all those... Uh empty apartments that sit around in China but uh, I guess that's what the investors that have bought all these apartments are hoping and waiting for but mm. I, I imagine at some stage it will happen. And what about India? We keep forgetting about India. They're going to have the most populous nation on earth very soon. Mm, interesting. Well, yeah, they are. By the way, your friends over in America, the General Motors uh, saga gets more serious. It looks 29 like... 29 million now, I think it's up to... Wow. At least they can recall things where politicians can't. Anyway, we shouldn't well, say that. France's largest bank, I think it's called BNP Apabaris. That's the one. They seem to be in a little strife. Well, they, they got busted for uh, sanction busting and uh, they're having to pay a $9 billion fine to, wow. the, uh, to the US authorities. So that, that kind of puts a bit of a, a dent in your balance sheet. Of course, that's a non-core cash item as usual. Yep. Now, what about this Baltic Dry? What is this Baltic Dry? And we don't talk about it as much lately. Um, Baltic Dry is the... Uh, is the uh, cost of shipping uh, bulk goods around the world. So, um, yes, it's um, something that we don't talk about a lot and don't focus on. So, um, but it, it has been, uh, has, it is a good indicator to what's happening around the world in terms of trade. It ha- always has been because that's, uh, that's where all the ships are, are moving around. If it's high, in other words, if the ships are moving around a lot, it means that trade's moving. And if they're not, it's not moving. Is that what that's, that's all about? exactly right. Barry, I'm afraid I have to go because I'm about to go flying. Well, Henry, I hope you just keep your feet on the ground, please. We want you back here next Thursday. Sorry, I do apologise and uh, I will try and keep safe. And Thursday Finance at the moment, Barry Preston. Wills, yeah, we know we should have one. Will we have one? That's Will it. we indeed? Lynn Lucas, a local solicitor with over 20 years' experience in estate planning matters and is a consultant now with Hen- uh, Catherine Henry Partners of 57 Hunter Street, Newcastle. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Just back after a big trip around Australia, I believe. Oh, well, around Western Australia anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, the will, always an interesting but challenging subject. Why? Always, yes, always. For many people, it's just too hard to think about um, making a will, and the statistics are that 50% of adults uh, don't have a will, which is a problem. Mm, I don't know. Well, okay, look, if I don't have one and fall off the perch, mm. what happens? Okay, well, you die intestate. That's, that's the term, and it means you haven't got a will. 
So the law then says, well, okay, we haven't got a will to know what, how you want to divide your assets, so this is how we're going to do it. So it's set out in the legislation um, that it would go to a spouse, if, if there's just a spouse or a spouse and children divided between them. It might even go to some relative that you don't even like and haven't spoken to in years and years and years. So this is why it really is important that you put your wishes down in your will. Okay, so I have a will mm-hmm. and I fall off the perch. Mm-hmm. What could make it invalid, an invalid will? Okay, there, there are a couple of things that, that could make it invalid um, if it's not properly executed. So there are rules as to how, uh, how a will should be drawn up. And if it's not, say, signed on every page and uh, you've got two witnesses, uh, someone could say that's, that's not a valid will, it's not executed properly. Uh, it might be difficult to interpret. Now, many people, unfortunately, these days will, will use the printed will form and they're, uh, they're, they're not legally trained to know the correct wording, etc. So it could be difficult to, in, to interpret. Um, that may cause also a partial intestacy too. If, if someone has, a, has made a will um, and, say, a beneficiary has died and they haven't made an alternate appointment then that, that would be a partial intestacy. So in other words, if, if you name someone as a, as a beneficiary, uh, but you don't say, but if that person should predecease me, then there she goes here, um, then the, the will really is, is a partially, it's a partial intestacy. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, all mm. these little things that we don't concern, our, concern ourselves about can make things invalid. Now, does mm. marriage... Or divorce, we'll look at these in uh, step by step. Does marriage affect a will in any way? I make one out and then I get married. Yes. Okay, so any will that you made prior to your marriage is immediately null and void. So you must make another will. Now, you can either make the will very shortly after marriage, but what I would advise my clients is to make it before your marriage, but the important words that you put into the will uh, is that this will is made in contemplation of my marriage to whoever you're going to marry on such and such a date or within a certain period of time. Now, that will retain the validity of the will because you're saying the will is made in contemplation of that marriage. What about a de facto relationship? Is that, does that make any difference at all? Or what? Uh, well, mm. <laughs> after certain... Yes, you're asking me some tricky ones, aren't mm. you? <laughs> Uh, if, if there is is a de facto, um, it, no, it, it doesn't really make make the will null and void. But certainly, that person then becomes someone who can claim against uh, the estate if they're not named in it. It just adds to the complexity where it does. It, the complexity can be taken away if you do things up front. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Now, exactly right. Let's look at the bad one: the divorce. What happens here? I'm married. Now I'm yes. not married. I had a will. I had a will before I was married. Changed it when we got married. Now my wife has left me, or whatever the case may be. A divorce. What happened? And divorce. Okay. So any reference to your former spouse is basically deleted or read out of the will. Now what that can sometimes cause again, is an intestacy or a partial intestacy because if you've left um, your your estate to your wife, and this is a normal thing. Uh, and and you're divorced, then that means uh, you you can't leave it to anybody else. There's no you haven't named anybody else, 
So it's it's immediately an intestate will, and uh, not an intestate will, but it's, it is an intestacy or partial intestacy, and and the legislation will then say, well, this is how we're going to divide it. So this is one of the reasons why it's very important to review these important documents uh, on a regular basis because. Society is complex these days and it's really important that if circumstances change, then the will should be reviewed. Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, we're getting the good oil on wills at the moment from local solicitor Lynn Lucas. We certainly are. And here's a question. It's some more questions, Lynn. Sometimes since the death of an estate, the death and the estate was wound up, someone finds that there is an asset, a bit of land or whatever the case, that was missed. What happens? Well, it depends on, on what that asset is, and it, and it does sometimes happen. Um, if if an application has been made for probate, and, and basically all that means is that, that an application has been made to the court to officially um, appoint the executors as executors and trustees so that they can then stand in the shoes of the deceased and deal with all um, the, the deceased assets... Um, if if that's uh, if, if there is an asset that's been missing, you just need to do an additional affidavit and file that with the court and say, well, you know, it was overlooked or we didn't know about it or something like that. Uh, if there has not been any necessity to apply for probate, um, then it, it's just treated as another asset and, and divided between uh, the, uh, the beneficiaries. We, we had one recently where um, a client passed away. There was no need at that point of time to apply for probate because the assets didn't, didn't require that. Uh, but the, the executor has now been advised by one of our leading banks that there's quite a large bank account there belonging to the deceased. Now, they didn't tell us that in the, in the first place, uh, and they require a probate to be taken out before they'll release that account. So we now will have to make that application to the court, tell them why it, it took so long to, to make the application, hmm. uh, but, uh, but hopefully that's, that's not going to create a problem. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes assets are a, a little bit uh, tricky. Uh, hmm. This is why I tell clients it's really a good idea to keep a list of what their assets and liabilities are, uh, who their lawyer is, who their accountant is, who their financial planner is, uh, so that their executor uh, is not going to miss any assets. Yeah, good idea. But it's not, yeah. a, not, a, it's not the end of the earth if something does happen like that by the sound of it. No, it's not. Oh, no, no, that's right. Now, this one sound, might sound a little bit complicated. I hope I don't uh, muck it up. But let's assume that mum and dad want their estate to go to their two married children and they want it 50-50 each. Now, that's what it is now. But on the process, mum and dad die. And let's assume that one of the or two of the children die. But in the initial stages, mum and dad, before they died, wanted that to go to the grandchildren not the daughter-in-laws of both their sons. Now, yep. is this possible? Yes, and, and it's, it's quite a normal thing that, uh, that couples will put into their wills these days. So in other words, they will leave uh, the whole of their estate equally between their children, but make a provision that if any of those children predecease them, then the share that their child would have taken passes on to um, their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a few reasons for that. Uh, the main one is that a lot of people want to keep their assets and the inheritance within the family line. So 
so let's say, for example, um, it's, it's assumed that if, if a child dies and they're, they're married, um, that, that their uh, spouse will inherit all of their estate. So mm-hmm. the daughter-in-law, let's let's yeah, say, yeah, say this, um, yeah. the daughter-in-law gets the whole of the estate of, of her husband. Mm-hmm. What if she remarries? Ah. So she she remarries. She might have more children, um, and and people will fear. Well, our grandchildren could miss out completely here. You know. Yeah, I know what it, you mean. Yeah, it's, it's might, a life. It yeah. might go on to the to the mm. new spouse, or or it might eventually have to be divided um, between their own grandchildren and uh, those grandchildren's half brothers and sisters or step brothers and sisters. So I think that. That's the strong point that that people uh, consider when they're drawing up their, their will. So it's it's really just keeping that inheritance and those assets Within, in the family in line. The family line. So it is yeah. possible. It is possible. Oh, definitely possible. And and most people make that provision. Fair enough. Okay. Mm. Now, not a simple question, but what circumstances can one contest a will? And it, could it be costly? It's always costly because those applications normally have to go to the Supreme Court for a decision to be made, or parties can attend a mediation and hopefully resolve it that way. But but it is a costly process, and people are not always successful. They're difficult claims to make. Uh, you have to come within a certain class of person uh, to make a claim against a will. So you either have to be a, a spouse, a former spouse, um, children, grandchildren if they were a part of the deceased household for any length of time and were financially dependent on the deceased. So there's not anybody who can just come along. And and I guess that there, there are lots of uh, reasons. You can say that the will maker was under duress, so in other words they were forced to, to sign a will mm. in certain terms, or they might say the person didn't have the capacity uh, to, to sign a will. You know, they, they didn't have the capacity to understand what they were signing. They might mm. be in the early stages of dementia or something like that. So, mm. yes, you can contest it. Um, yes, it is costly and it's not always um, successful. As we say on this program, it is always important to get the best advice you can and get the correct advice. Say, saving two or $300 on a will is really false economy because, and we use this example and I think you've used it too, I leave my house and contents to my blah, 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 blah. I yep. leave my house contents. I've left out the word end and yep. changed the whole structure of the will. Yes, that's exactly right. And, you know, people, it, it, is, a, it is a false saving because uh, it's, it doesn't cost that much money to have, uh, have a will drawn. And, and it's just such an important document. Uh, lots of people will, will fill in the will kits. Um, that's, that brings lawyers a lot of work because they don't word them properly, they're not executed properly, and, uh, and it can cause a lot of problems. And a lawyer will, will help you work your way through the process, uh, give you options, suggestions as, as the things that you mm. can do. Yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, lots of people don't have family, so, mm. you know, they sort of think, oh, I'm not not going to make a will, it's all going to be too hard, <laughs> but uh, there, there are lots of ways yeah. around, there are lots of charities who um, Absolutely. would appreciate that, yeah. And last quick question, a will is not a set and forget document? Absolutely, 
Don't review it. Review it regularly, um, because circumstances do do change. Our, our society is a lot more complex these days than it was a few generations ago, and we have blended families and uh, all sorts of different circumstances that people are in, and people are more readily getting divorced and remarried, and uh, it, it mm. begins to get quite complex. So it's it's really important that. You read your will. I say to clients, read your will every year at some time. Um, make sure that nothing has changed, no circumstances have changed. And if they have, uh, it's probably important yeah, that definitely. you come back and see me and we'll, we'll make the make changes. And, Lynn, I believe we're going to be looking at aged care very soon and I'm getting the wind-up because time's catching us up. Anyway, look, you keep safe and yes. we'll be talking again soon on aged care. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. Bye. And it's always good to have Lynn Lucas on. She's got such a lot to say. And that's just about it for Finance Today. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Keep safe. See you next week. Thank you, Barry Preston. And, of course, we'll be back with Finance next Thursday.